You have a text message from Alex Rizard. Would you like me to read it? From Tears Over Stake in 2D WC Chicago, it's Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, a podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. I'm Evan Leon. And I'm Alex Brizard. February 5th, 2022. It's uh, about a month out from the premiere date of Matt Reeves' The Batman. You know the one. Zoe Kravitz, Robert Pattinson, the son who takes a vow of silence in Little Miss Sunshine. And inexplicably, Colin Farrell and so much makeup and prosthetics that you'd hardly recognize him as Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. The Penguin. Certainly odd or inspired casting. But how do we get here? It feels like societally we just got over Ben Affleck taking over the role from Christian Bale. Like a new stepdad that turns out to be not so bad after all. As hit or miss as his time in the Cape and Cowl were, honestly, I really liked Batflick. He was rough around the edges, sure, but we got to see Batman exists on the big screen outside of Gotham City for the first time. Flawed, powerless, insecure, but unmistakably Batman. Which got me thinking, what is it that we keep seeking out in this one character? in each new actor or film or adaptation. What is it that makes a Batman story? Why does the Batman mythos persist? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, I just wanted to touch base on the Batman episode. Um, Well, it's like a month away. What do we need to touch base on? I know I was giving you a little bit of pushback. (gasps) Yeah, I we have to cover this, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. Right. Thank I, you. I know it's not a cartoon, but like we have this is huge. We're getting This is new. huge. This is our yes. third Batman actor mm-hmm. film uh franchise, hopefully, trilogy yeah. maybe. Uh and yes. no less okay. th- in like 10, 15 years. We need to cover it. I'm so glad. Okay, I I had given up almost look the Batman has been around for so goddamn long. It would be a shame if you and I didn't take this opportunity to do something amazing with this. It's it's exciting. This movie looks so goddamn good, Evan. I haven't been this excited about a Batman movie since The Dark Knight, which you know I claim as the best movie I've ever seen. I, I will to this hands down to this day say it's the best movie I've ever seen. Probably one of the only Oscar-nominated uh, comic book movies. Damn right. Actually, I take that back. Suicide Squad got nominated for makeup and might have won. Um, but yeah, but yeah we fuck ha- that. Just kidding. Okay, <laughs> look, we have to do this. We, I agree. I'm so glad you came around. Look, we have a ton that we need to cover with this. I have questions that we yeah. need answers to, Evan. How much of the backstory are you, like the origin of the character, are you familiar with? I mean, I know that he's been around since, like, the 40s, right? 1939. He's essentially the second superhero on the scene after Superman, which was 1938. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at the Wikipedia. It's a a wild, turbulent ride. Batman was created in 1939. This artist, comic book artist named Bob Kane, saw the 
financial opportunity that was in superheroes from Superman. Yeah. Yeah, Huge bucks. And went to his buddy, Bill Finger, a writer, and said, let's come up with a pitch. And so they come up with this idea. Uh, I think originally Bob Kane had, uh, like, his character was like a guy in a domino mask, which is just like what Robin wears, like the thing that just covers the top Mm -hmm. sliver of your face. I gotcha. Uh, Not really a mask. Yeah, red tights and like a black cape. None of the staples of, of, uh, you know, Batman as we know it. His buddy, Bill Finger, jazzes up the whole idea, adds the bat theme and element. He comes up with the Batmobile. He comes up with the Batcave, Robin, Joker, Penguin, Riddler, the whole rogue gallery that Batman has. And so uh, Bob Kane takes the ideas that they, they formulated there and pitches it all to D.C., as his own what gets it zuckerberg yeah and gets it contractually stated or it's you know this is uh like an urban legend that he gets it written in stone in his contract that he will now and forevermore be credited as the sole creator of batman damn didn't seem like a huge deal at the time for bill finger he was just like a writer or whatever and so he the legacy though yeah, he kept contributing as like a ghostwriter. No. But he went uncredited essentially till a couple of years ago. No credit. Fuck off. That's yeah. insane. I'd be pissed. Yeah, there's actually there's a really good documentary on this. I think I sent it to you a while back. I don't know. It's it's called Batman and Bill, but it's all about oh, this did. a writer who learned about this and wanted to set it right. So he does all the digging himself, finds heirs of Bill Finger, tracks the family tree, because without a rightful heir, it's like impossible to contest. Uh, but you know the the documentary follows it, and essentially through their efforts, they are able to get Bill Finger credit as a co-creator of Batman, because the man died penniless, essentially. Like wow, none of the fame or fortune shame. that Bob Kane achieved. And so I'd highly one I'd I'd recommend watching that, but like, is it? It's, it's so weird when these superhero stories come with like a a, 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 history. a, a moral story of their yeah. own, like like a meta moral story. Like Superman, uh, Jerry Siegel, Ju- Joe Schuster. Um, one of their parents died, like I, I think in a robbery or something. And so, like, how does that manifest in their their creative careers? Like, by creating an invincible man. Like, it's uh, to me, fascinating. I just I feel like when I think of Batman as a whole, not even just like the character, the franchise, the comics, the movies, the games. Batman to me just is like what a superhero is all about. He is the embodiment of like. Anyone can be a goddamn hero. Granted, yeah, he's rich and powerful, so he doesn't have that. But, like, he's just a man, and he fights among gods and and, and evil goddamn doers. He's so inspirational, Mm -hmm. but it's dark and gritty and real. And it, it, it attracts, like, young, young kids to old adults. Something about Batman is just so alluring there is so much batman content that i I, it would be a disservice not for us not to cover it yeah 
I don't know. I like, how do we tackle this? Who do we talk to? What do we, mm. what do we even cover? I don't know. We could talk to a lot of people. Yeah. People have opinions on the Batman and I want to get their opinions. Let's take it back to the beginning. Well, at least our beginning, the nineties coming off the success of Tim Burton's 1989 film. Batman the Animated Series is now introducing a whole new generation to the character. Hi, uh, my name's Andrew Cho. I have an interview with superfan and friend of the podcast, Andrew Cho, and I'm going to play that interview for you. This aired for four seasons from 92 to 95, created by Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, and Mitch Bryan. You know, 1992, I was born a month or two after it came out in September. <laughs> Did you start with the animated series or the new Batman adventures, which was so, a later property? That's a good point that you bring up because mm-hmm. I didn't really watch until the new adventures of Batman, which fair. Ro- you, yeah. What, we would have been two or one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that was like in 97 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, that had like Robin Batgirl mm-hmm. introduced the whole bad family and everything um, actually wasn't, till way later that i had already exhausted all the batman tv content that there was at the time like you know batman batman begin uh sorry what is it um, beyond batman beyond yep oh, yeah. um and moment. justice league and justice league unlimited and i'm just like all right you know i i want more of this and it's like well i haven't really watched like the original batman the animated series the kind of one that started it all so i binge watched all through that in like maybe like a couple weeks or something and Uh, i I could totally see how that influence is still persistent to this day i really think when people think of animated batman this is like what they think of as the baseline character design the voices the tone i think there's like a very distinct tone to this I, i haven't thought of like a good word to describe it but it's just so Batman from the music, which the score is fantastic throughout. Full orchestra, by the oh way. Oh my god, it's insane the music that they have on throughout all these episodes. It just feels to me like when when you're thinking of making a comic book into a cartoon, this is like the epitome of what you would go for. And do you know who we have to thank for that? I don't. Our boy, Steven Spielberg, actually. Really? What is his connection? Because in the late 80s to early 90s, Warner Brothers was basically trying to court Steven Spielberg because he was the hottest name in in Hollywood, and he wanted to get into animation. So Mm. they were setting up their Warner Brothers animation studio, and they're showing Steven around and telling him, like, hey, if you want to get involved with this, we'll give you all the resources you need. And he had all these requests, including having a full orchestra for, at that time, he was uh, producing something called, I think it was Tiny Tunes, which was like the kids' version of Looney Tunes. Oh, okay. yeah. I yeah. watched but it, it. It incorporated a <laughs> musical orchestra in that, and they used that for Batman the Animated Series as well, because they were throwing a ton of money at that studio, again, to, to bring Steven Spielberg on. And a lot of the studios that were involved basically took advantage of that yeah wow and yeah to kind of draw the viewers a bit of a picture you know when they were about to launch the show um a lot of the programming well first of all they wanted to launch this lineup of saturday morning cartoons kind of like what we know now 
Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, a lot of the programming was like a lot of kid stuff, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, that sort of thing. A lot of very like cartoony, zany, very lighthearted stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have this dark, gritty mm-hmm. show with, you know, a lot of adult themes, really. Um, that's incorporating violence and having, you know, complex characters with deep motivations, including the villains that made them very sympathetic. And it was kind of a game changer at the time. I totally agree. I think one thing I noticed when I was rewatching this is there are several points where I was like, was this targeted towards children? I was like, (laughs) this feels pretty adult. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, I can't think of another cartoon I watched as a kid, even superhero cartoons, where you saw like people with guns pointing it at people, like gonna shoot them. Like, and not even necessarily, because I feel like there's a difference between maybe even like a soldier, like a military guy with like a versus just like a guy with a pistol, like a thug with a pistol who's like, I'm going to shoot you in the face, Batman. And that actually was kind of a, an issue that was brought up at the time because um, something called, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, standard uh, practices, and mm-hmm. I, I could find the the correct term for it. Uh, bro- broadcast standards and practices, which is basically the person in charge of that would go through the show and edit out the content or censor That's things that not were suitable. not <laughs> deemed appropriate, uh, violence being a, a good example. And the woman in charge, her name is Avery Coburn. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was VP of Fox and Kids Broadcast Standards and Practices at the time. Long-ass title. <laughs> but she was the one responsible for editing the programming, and she saw what the creators were trying to do, and she allowed a lot of these things to exist because if they had had someone who had that same job from the 50s or the 60s -hmm. we probably wouldn't have the batman animated series that we have today and a lot of it was due to her foresight and um her respect for the audience to be able to understand these complex themes and to look past things that we would think would not be appropriate for children because there was a more important message that was being told Mm. Um, and I think that's partly why it also is very um, appealing to adults as well. She's the hero that we didn't yeah. know we'd, the, we'd needed. The unsung hero, yep. She's the Dark Knight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that this, the I mean, obviously the memorable score, but it, also that classic line, I'm Vengeance, I am Knight, I am Batman, mm-hmm. uh, played perfectly by Kevin Conroy, who when I... When I think of Batman or when I read a Batman comic book, it's in his voice that yes. that it's like yep. three octaves lower than my voice, which is pretty low already. He is, to me, the definitive Batman it's, more than yeah. any of the actors or anything because he is having to work with a very one-dimensional space, just his mm-hmm. voice. Very true. Yet he is able to convey a lot of the emotion and nuances of the character somehow and that's the thing is there's so much emotion in this we see yes. a pretty complex batman for the batman the animated series he's not one-dimensional like you really think like a, a kid's cartoon could portray him mm-hmm. he you know experiences sympathy grief like it, i love that what re-watching this series if i'm being honest because mm-hmm. It was such a joy to be like, man, if I was watching this as a kid, which I was, I don't remember like specifics. I mm-hmm. just remember having it on a lot. And I was like, I'm glad this was my first introduction to Batman. 
Yeah, a lot of that was actually a very intentional choice by the voice director of the show, Andrea Romano. She had a background in acting and stage management at the time, and she became the voice director, and she cast all the voice actors for the Mm. show, including Kevin Conroy, who was selected out of, I believe it was like 500 other actors. Wow. And she specifically try to cast stage actors because of the vocal quality and being able to ah, emphasize emotion and mm-hmm. using their vocal tones and stuff, which is why you get this multidimensional character that Kevin Conroy is able to portray. And he kind of ran with it. I mean, even after the show ended, you still see him coming up in a lot of the video games, a lot of mm-hmm. the animated yeah. movies and yeah. stuff. I mean, like, you know, it's all different styles, other different voice actors, different storylines, but that one consistent presence is Kevin Conroy as the Batman. So while we're on voices, we should talk about the other very notable, very awesome, yes. very iconic voice, Mr. Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah, yep. that's right. <laughs> the Joker. So when you think of Batman, you think of the Joker, two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have an iconic Batman, you have to have an iconic Joker. And they get a great voice actor for this. And I didn't know it was him for years and years and years. I Obviously, didn't either. Yeah. I didn't know till I was a grown adult that he played the Joker for a good long while. Because I always knew him as Luke Skywalker, you know, exactly. like everyone else. <laughs> as exactly. iconic as Kevin Conroy is as Batman, Mark Hamill is memorable as the Joker. His cackle. I, I mean, I've I, there have been a couple other voice actors who have taken on Joker in different animated projects, but I feel like most of them are doing a variation or like trying to grasp at what Mark Hamill had captured in the Joker. And I just saw this today. They had originally approached Tim Curry oh, wow. to do the Joker, and he wasn't available. I could see um, him doing well, too. I could he see him doing well actually well. did some of the voice acting for the first episode, but apparently Uh-oh. had some beef with one of the producers. Oh, So they had to the basically tea. find another voice actor, and they were like, you know, Mark Hamill's available. Should we, should we try <laughs> to test him out? And it's like, well, why yeah. not? And they brought him in, and I mean, kind of the rest is history from there. Let's get into a little bit more about the series itself. Do you guys have any episode standouts, any stories that you really liked were covered? I think the one that comes to mind and I think is a great example of the kind of rogues gallery that makes Batman villains some of the best is um, Heart of Ice uh, Mm. featuring Mm -hmm. Mr. Freeze. That is a good one. It is where, I mean, for those who don't know, Mr. Freeze is this character who's all about freezing things and stuff. But he originally was a scientist who had uh, a wife with a terminal illness that he was trying to cure. And he was willing to do pretty much anything to accomplish that goal, including criminal enterprise. And of course, Batman Mm -hmm. is there to stop him. But at the end of the episode, you really do feel for the character, even though justice is served and he has to go to jail and all that. It doesn't feel like a win, per se, because by the end, you've developed empathy Mm -hmm. for the villain. And honestly, that's a very common theme with a lot of his villains. I think a lot of them Mm -hmm. have very sort of human motivations that allow us to relate to them. It, It makes them 
tragic characters more than anything. Mr. Freeze is one example. You know, there's also Harley Quinn, who is in this abusive relationship with the Joker. Um, and even though he's abusing her all the time, she always still goes back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Harley Quinn was an original character created within this series. Yes. That trickled into comic books and then trickled into mainstream movies. And she's now like a mainstay Hollywood headliner staple of the DC universe. I think she's considered an anti-hero or a hero. Mm-hmm. I would say anti-hero. Yeah, she's on the Suicide Squad. Yeah. She has her own movie. She has, she her, has own her own TV movie. show. Prey. Her Birds TV show is an animated TV show, and the little I've watched of it, I've like laughed out loud several times. Yes. Yeah. Unexpectedly so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin so, Smith named his daughter after Harley Quinn. That's a random trivia fact. That's what we're here for. So that's actually really crazy to think that without this show, we don't have Harley Quinn, who a lot of people, you know, she's one and two with the Joker. Mm-hmm. She was enough. one of the most popular Halloween costumes around the time of the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. And uh, as bad as that movie was, it made what I don't know. It was one of the highest grossing dceu movie yeah yeah wow so that's crazy to think about okay i think uh one of the early standouts for me was i loved seeing um the two-parter uh harvey dent two-face transformation Mm. his origin story if you will i'm such a sucker for the dark knight where we do get a a nice introduction to two-face so i love any sort of origin story and uh that was a good one that i really enjoyed watching when i was going through all of them that was one where i kind of perked up i was like oh it's harvey dent i love harvey i don't know Mm -hmm. what it is about him exactly but uh i love good old harvey i believe in harvey in harvey dent (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) Uh, w- one of my m- most memorable episodes is, I think it's in the new Batman Adventures. But they, when they introduce Nightwing, we had Robin in oh, the the first yes. series, but when Nightwing shows up for the first time, and we like haven't seen Robin for a while, we thought he was gone. We thought he was gone. Lo and behold, he comes back, rocking a '90s mullet. With the coolest new costume in town. Second coolest character behind Batman, in my opinion. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. Like you said, this is in the later seasons. This is towards the end of all of this. Mm -hmm. With the era of comic book movies are we in, do we not get these sort of payoffs anymore? Is DC going to throw Nightwing in at the first opportunity they can? Or do we get the long absence of Robin and the shock of oh, he's been heroing on his own? He's he's a, he's more than a preteen now. He's a teen. I mean, I think Zack Snyder was setting up a little bit of that mm-hmm. with the Joker graffitied Robin suit in his mm-hmm. Batman vs. Superman. Yep, yeah. the Jason yep. Todd Robin. The Jason Todd reference. Um, DC has been exploring that in the Titan series, That's true. which is trash. I'm sorry. It's like the live action. It's just bad. I've watched all of it just because, you know, he I will can't conti- get enough He of will continue stuff. to watch all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I but like to can- torture myself. I was going to say, and he will continue to trash it. Till- yeah. <laughs> but Nightwing is continually stand out on that show. I love uh, watching the actor Brent- Brenton. Brandon I Thwaites. love the character of Nightwing mm-hmm. because... Oh, how do I describe it? It's like a little bit of like the loss of innocence where he goes from the boy wonder Robin to more of a Batman like character than he mm-hmm. realizes. He's like, I want to do things differently. And then he just ends up being just like Batman. So yeah. 
it's it's the classic i don't want to be like you dad and then you end up doing the, the same the shit. apple doesn't fall yeah from the tree yeah. and great. actually it just kind of reminded me of a, a a decent point in that you know batman pretty much stays batman for the most part throughout the series you still have character development with all the other characters Mm -hmm. um dick grayson being a perfect example i mean he was the original robin but then later grew up and became this dark grittier superhero named nightwing who has his Mm -hmm. own place which i think is bloodhaven uh that's like his like sort of backyard that he plays in um and he just became his own person essentially um and i don't I don't recall um, this ever being in the show, but uh, Batgirl also later becoming Oracle Mm -hmm. after the whole Killing Joke saga, reinventing herself uh, as a character. And you see that, you know, with a a lot of the characters over time. But Batman's still remaining that one constant that we can always go back to, though. He's really stubborn that way. He does (laughs) not want to change. I have another one. Oh, one character we haven't covered is what do you think of this portrayal of our main man, Alfred? You know what? I kind of miss the good old days of Alfred just being a helpful butler. He's um, kind of sassy. Yeah, he's a little sassy, but <laughs> he's allowed to be, though. Some of the, the modern iterations, I think the more recent takes on the character have him with like a like really extensive military background and he's this, more yeah. actively involved in Batman's crime fighting. It kind of reminds me of Michael Caine's Batman, where he can be yes. serious, but he can also be the sassy kind of mm. little twat sometimes. Yeah. Jeremy Irons did a, a pretty good job in the Zack Snyder uh, iteration, but I think in Matt Reeves's movie, it's going to be a little more of the latter, where he's played by I'm Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Oh, that's who, oh, no way. And yeah. the the Planet of the Apes mo- this mocap is definitely, artist. <laughs> this is definitely our youngest Alfred, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. To me, I feel like it's kind of important. Well, this is also probably a bit younger of a Bruce Wayne too. It is. So I'm I'm okay with yeah. it now that I I was gonna say I think it's important that Alfred's old because he is, for all intents and purposes, Batman's uh, only father figure i i liked this portrayal of alfred i wasn't in love with it there was some times where i was like get out of here alfred <laughs> like he was playing april fool's day jokes on on bruce <laughs> <laughs> i was like the city's under attack we don't have time for that alfred <laughs> it's hard to talk about batman the animated series without talking about its legacy because this started a run of about a decade a little bit longer 10 15 years that ran through Justice League Unlimited, which I think ended around 2004. But it was our first extended universe. And there is a colloquial name for it. It's called the DCAU, the DC Animated Universe. Um, so that encompasses all of Batman the Animated Series, Superman. I would imagine probably Static. Actually, I don't know if that's canon. Static Shock, I think, follows. Falls Batman in. is in. It is. Yeah, it is. It's canon. in there. Okay. It's in there. It falls. Yeah, they, in there. they do. Yeah, they do. Make Justice, League, Justice League. Justice League Unlimited. All of these cartoons are like related. You're saying. Yeah. After New Batman Adventures, they roll right into another blockbuster hit, in Batman Beyond. Yes. Um, and yeah. Kevin Conroy voices an older, gruffer Batman, and. <laughs> I uh, I feel like I had known this, but maybe forgot. But the young, the person who takes up the mantle, Terry McGinnis, is voiced by Will Friedel, 
aka Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. I did not know that. Slash Ron from Kim Possible, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, I love Terry. I always yeah. wish it was like a Robin, but I get what they were going for. It's the Batman of like the 31st century or whatever. Maybe not that far in the future, but you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. We're actually probably caught up to the time that Batman Beyond takes place. In. <laughs> probably. Um, but I only bring up Batman Beyond because there is a fantastic movie, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, that features Mark Hamill back in the role. And it's dark. There's some flashbacks in that that are, are like tough to watch. Mm. I know there's an old static shock that appears in Batman Beyond. So these really do all connect all these universes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know Marvel executives, they were watching this and they were like, dang, this is pretty good. What if we did this with movies? Yeah. That's one of the great tragedies of DC. uh, They had the idea first. They had, They, they were here. They had it. They just didn't take it to the big screen. Yeah. Marvel animated things no one cared about them there's x-men there was a 90s spider-man there was it was all there there were some in the 2000s they were, they were popular but they were not as popular as these shows yeah no in the 2000s in the early aughts there were um avengers animated directed video movies uh that were based on the ultimates which i think is kind of what the avengers movies were based on that run of comics that were pretty I mean, they were fine, but they were not good or memorable whatsoever. But like Warner Brothers had such a head start. (laughs) They really (laughs) fucking fumbled it. It's bad. And they've fallen way, way, way far behind. It's bad because they did. They had such a nice head start. They literally just needed to take this strategy Mm -hmm. and and put it in movies. You do a Batman movie and then you do a second one. And at the end of it, he meets Superman. And, you know, and maybe it was just because. Christopher Nolan was like knocking it out of the park right at the time when that probably would have been a good idea, mm-hmm. but they probably should have tried to connect Christian Bale and um, uh, Henry Cavill, but they just never, they never got to that point. That's the missing link. I think we just discovered it. If they had, if they were <laughs> able to connect those two, they'd be on pace with Marvel. Yeah, but I think that was Nolan defending his his art yeah let's get back to the animated series though we have veered off a a lot here let's kind of talk about its legacy i guess that's what we've been doing because a lot of this spirals into the batmans that we see in future iterations and we've seen a lot of it in cartoons live actions video games even so what about how do i want to say this what what about the Batman is just so alluring for audiences in general. In my opinion, in my personal opinion, he is the most human of superheroes. Mm. I mean, yeah. there's the obvious in that he doesn't have any superpowers. Um, so pretty much anyone can envision themselves as Batman. And just to go back a little bit, Bruce Wayne, the Batman, is not a perfect character i mean he has a lot of flaws like a lot of flaws but that's what and makes him interesting as a character it yeah. makes him interesting but also it shapes who he is too yeah. like he's gone through so much trauma not just the death of his parents but like he had to go through the supposed death of of jason todd um when barbara gordon got kidnapped by the joker and got paralyzed as a result um and like all sorts of traumatic things that any normal person would 
probably crack under, but we've, I'm sure to some degree have experienced ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yet he still remains true to who he is. And it, it, it shapes a lot of uh, the character and, and only strengthens his resolve even further. I mean, the dude uses pretty much any means necessary to bring justice to the criminals. I mean, he has no qualms about kidnapping, using <laughs> quote unquote enhanced interrogation techniques, beating up people to a pulp, but he, he will... has to work outside the law. That's his whole thing. The, yeah. But the cops don't get the job done in Gotham city. The thing is though, I don't think he sees himself as a replacement for the law. He's still mm-hmm. able to work with people like commissioner Gordon, and he's not trying to take the law into his own hands and, and, you know, outright like, kill them or anything like that you know that's his one rule he never kills his his he does want like a fair trial yes this is interesting so he wants like a fair trial but he always feels like the cops are failing because they don't they're not following right procedures or they're dirty so is batman pro or con on on cops that's (laughs) a very good point you bring up because the justice system in his universe kind of failed him uh-huh. i mean with the, yeah. with the death of his parents and the guy who killed his parents was let off as a result and you know the gotham police department is shown to be very corrupt and and you know in league with a lot of times with the actual villains he's fighting but uh safer of course you know jim gordon who is like the one honest cop in the city i mean maybe the the means aren't the same but the end goal for both parties is the same to bring the characters to justice to to make them face the law and and you know set order as it as it should be so i guess in that sense he he's not pro cop but he's pro justice i guess it's probably a good way to put it i actually have a quote from robert pattinson who cited mask of the phantasm as Mm -hmm. his main influence uh for the character and it says um this is Robert Pattinson speaking. When I saw it, it clicked. Being Batman is a kind of curse. It's a burden. Mm. But hey, you decided that, right? No, mm-hmm. no, no. I have to be the Batman. I was chosen, not the other way around. I love that. I love how much Robert Pattinson has already explored new depths of Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. that we haven't seen before. He's got a really interesting take on Batman's no-kill rule that I read that he's been saying in interviews. but. What he says about the no-kill rule is it can be interpreted in two ways. Either he only wants to inflict the appropriate punishment or he wants to kill and his self-control prevents him from doing so. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that, Ben. I like that a lot. That's really... I just... I think this movie is going to be a more dark look at the Batman we're used to. And I think that's what the character deserves because even when we look at this animated series, the whole tone of the Mm. music, the animation, it's dark. You're in the shadow of a giant building in Gotham city. And that's Mm. where Batman does his work. All right. What I want to do here is I do want to do sort of our closing thoughts on both the animated series or Batman as a whole that you would like to leave off here. Honestly, the, he's by far and away my favorite superhero, mostly just due to the the human na- the human side of him being very prevalent, but also the source for who he is as a person, taking that grief from his parents' death and using it to to help other people. I think it's a very admirable quality, 
But in spite of that, though, he's still a very flawed person, something we can all deeply relate to. And and the same goes for his villains as well. And I think that's what still to this day draws people to him and 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 that you know property in general. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Batman the Animated Series defined the Batman character for a generation from 1992 through the early aughts. It was the rendition of the character. And I think a lot of the things that we like in Nolan's films, a lot of what I'm excited about in Reeves' films, those seeds were planted in Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. Like you said, is it's, to me almost a perfect adaptation of what a batman comic was Mm -hmm. to me this is not some sort of like grandiose story but it almost feels like weekly comics being released a new batman story and there's something so nostalgic about that it reminds me of saturday morning cartoons when i watch and i just think that like you guys said without this we don't have as nearly a big of hype almost 30 years later and yet we have a new batman movie that people are more excited about than ever before let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor this special presentation of two dudes watch cartoons is brought to you by Primo's Pizza of Novi. Primo's is proud to serve the community for the past 40 years as Novi's favorite independently owned pizza joint. If you're looking for a classic old style pizza, you found your spot. We cook up the best pies that are hand tossed to order using only the finest ingredients. And we also feature our locally acclaimed chicken, ribs, seafood, and much, much more. Primo's Pizza is your one-stop shop when it's time to eat. Whenever I find myself in Novi, I'm always at Primo's. Proudly serving slices off the corner of 10 Mile and Meadowbrook Road. Check out the menu at primospizzanovi.com. Now back to our coverage. The more we dug into the world's greatest detective, the more we had to become detectives ourselves. We were starting to piece together a profile of the Batman myth, but we needed more evidence. So we sat down with Two Dudes' chief legal analyst to break it down for us. Could you state your name for the record, please? Sure. My name is Caitlin Godfrey. We're here to talk about The Dark Knight. I will say, this is my favorite movie of all time. I saw it in 2008. It became my favorite movie then. It has never been toppled. So I'm super excited to talk about this. And I think it's very important for... Batman history. It is. Mm -hmm. But 2008 was a very long time ago. Caitlin, I was hoping you could kind of refresh our memory. What was going on in the headlines then? Like, Hmm. set the scene a little bit for us. Well, in 2008, summer of 2008 is when this movie came out. So I was Mm -hmm. heading into my senior year of high school. Uh, Let's see, 2008, Britney Spears, Mm. pop music still. Obama in office? Was that his first term? It was. Well, so so he was elected in 2008. Not Mm. quite yet when this movie came out. But maybe beginnings of his campaign. So a very hopeful time in our lives. Hopeful time. Wow. Yes. In Chicago, no less. In Chicago, no less, which is where our piece of art we are discussing today was mostly filmed. Yeah. 2008 is an interesting point in time because that is actually also the year 
Marvel's Iron Man comes out. So it's a fork in the road of what superhero cinema could be. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight was the highest grossing film of 2008, fourth highest of all time at that point, with over a wow. billion dollars at the box office, almost double what Iron Man made. We reached out to Michael O'Rear and Tommy Pizzullo of the Marvel podcast, Stark Wars, but they declined to comment. It kind of set off the whole trend of darker, grittier reboots. And then you look at something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which took maybe a, a lighter approach but has seen a lot of success since, whereas The Dark Knight was really, really, really singular, and nothing has come close, unfortunately, for DC fans uh, really since. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and even also The Dark Knight coming after Batman Begins, the first movie, it's such mm-hmm. a big jump. I, I ended up watching Batman Begins last night also, <laughs> just because I don't think I'd ever actually seen it. That's a testament to this movie that you, I feel like it can stand alone. It is its own movie. You don't need to know a ton about Batman. You don't even need to see the first movie in the trilogy, really. You can jump in, understand the plot, and it is still just a great piece of work. What I want to do is I want to start talking about some of the elements that make this film really great. And the man I want to start with is Mr. Christian Bale. Because there's always this debate of how these actors portray Batman, and I think that is obviously a big part of what impact they have on the history of it. And I think Christian Bale does a ton of things right. What do you think of Christian Bale, Evan? I think he is phenomenal in the role, and Mm -hmm. uh, he brings a gravitas to the role, a seriousness, um, where a lot of other films, and even Batman begins a little bit, they get a little like James Bondy, where it's all about gadgets and gizmos. And, and it's interesting that you say you hadn't watched Batman Begins because Batman Begins came out in 2005. It was a comic book movie. It was a good comic book movie, but it was very comic booky. He's fighting a league of ninjas. There's a guy <laughs> putting fear gas into the air. Like it's even The Dark Knight Rises afterwards. It's like. <laughs> the league of ninjas is back with a new leader who's a, a, yeah. a wrestler like <laughs> so the dark knights that little sliver in the middle that that singular moment in 2008 where it's like it's this crime drama it's moody it's like a noir film one of the things that christian bale does really well though is he plays the duality like mm-hmm. he almost develops two characters where i think a lot of Marvel characters, even a lot of the DC ones, none of them are really juggling with secret identities anymore. It's really Batman's the only guy who has to be like a normal person, semi-normal person, and then Mm -hmm. someone else as well. I 100,000% agree with you because honestly, first impression I had re-watching The Dark Knight the other day was he's almost like a subtle Batman. He's not over Mm -hmm. the top. It's funny that you mentioned that Batman and Iron Man both came out that year because Batman is basically like a DC Iron Man. He's like a rich guy yeah, who buys his weapons and then fights crime. And Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne could very easily be like a playboy who runs Mm -hmm. around and has models on each arm. And actually he does that at one point, but in Batman Begins, he only does it because Alfred says to him, come on, man, you got to have some fun. Like you're supposed to be Bruce Wayne. Like, can you at least pretend to have fun? And then he does. 
So it's like, I, I think that he's a good Batman because he does just enough to be a good convincing Batman, but he's not, he's not the only person in this film. Like at no point mm-hmm. in the dark Knight is Christian Bale fighting to be the lead hero. Mm-hmm. It never feels like that at all. Whenever you're playing a superhero movie, there's two roles you're playing. You're playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. And I think he does a great job at both where sometimes mm-hmm. some actors are good at one and maybe not as strong in the other. Mm-hmm. He does really good at both. I, I love his Batman voice. To me, that's like what Batman sounds like. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of what I think of Batman in a live action goes back to him. He's just the one that sticks out in my mind is almost the most realistic, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say his Batman voice does seem to get more intense from Batman <laughs> Begins to Dark Knight. Oh, it it's yeah. just, it's kind of like maybe a little growl in Batman Begins, and then by Dark Knight, Where are it's the like, drugs All right, coming from? <laughs> exactly. Like by Dark Knight, it is over the top. I mean, and that you know that's why it got parodied a bunch, and it definitely got made fun mm-hmm. of a lot. But yeah, you know, I guess Batman has a Batman voice for a reason. Mm-hmm. I always think when I'm watching these movies, how many lines Christian Bale would have had if he wasn't asking about the location of one thing or the other. Like, (laughs) where's the trigger? Where's Harvey Dent? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very true. Very true. Um, Christian Bale brings like a seriousness to the situation. Every time he's in a Batman chase, fight, what have you, my heart is racing. You know, he dangles a guy off a a ledge and the guy to intimidate, try to intimidate Batman was like, you know, a fall from this height wouldn't kill me. And he goes, I'm counting on it and drops him like, I'm sorry. So badass. It's mm-hmm. it's brilliant. It's it's just on the line of what Batman is all about is he's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I am going to break both of your legs till you tell me what I need to know. You know, also this movie in general, again, as I was rewatching it, just has. So many iconic moments that were like quoted for years, years and years yeah. and years after, and just had such an impact. As even as I was watching, I was like, "Is that actually from this movie?" Because I'm pretty sure <laughs> I've heard that 800 million thousand times ever since. Probably Ooh, second like, only to like Borat back then, <laughs> like, as most quoted movies of maybe Anchorman. Like, yeah, it was oh up God. there. It was a phenomena. No, in Mm -hmm. reality, it was a phenomena, though. Everyone had seen that movie. I went and saw the movie, and I saw it in a theater, and I left, and I went to a different theater, and I just watched it again. Because I was so... Yeah, I was, like, (laughs) needed to come down from the adrenaline rush of it all. Because, you know, I'm a freshman or sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. This blew my goddamn mind. (laughs) This, Like I said... I had never seen a piece of cinema movie like this. Like this opened my whole world up to so many different avenues and possibilities. And so this movie to me means a lot. And so Christian Bale, we all agree a great Batman iconic, but he is only one part of this movie as a whole. And so I think, you know, we got to talk about the other side of that coin. Ooh, interesting metaphor. Ooh, I chose. Um, nice job. Yeah. <laughs> Write that one down. Save it for later. Yeah. Just kidding. So we have to talk about the legendary Heath Ledger as the Joker. First impressions. I was 
like the guy from 10 things i hate about you what are you serious i was very confused 10 things i hate about you romantic comedy like hot guy mm-hmm. okay brokeback mountain like clearly he can be serious and then it's like oh why so serious why you're so definitely serious. very serious yeah i uh, yeah i mean how can you how can you talk about this movie and not talk about heath ledger's joker rest in peace uh he he won the posthumous best supporting actor that year for it and i think what is really telling is we start the movie Mm. first four or five minutes with a heist scene and i love like that really sets the tone for me is this heist scene this is so sorry to interrupt you this is such a christopher nolan move the Mm -hmm. bait and switch of it all this is maybe one of the best opening scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Go on, Evan. Please set yeah, the stage. There, it's it's a heist scene. They're robbing a bank, and one by one, they off one another, saying like, "Oh, who's this Joker guy? Like, thinks he's gonna get a cut of it without doing any of the work." And then it turns out he's been in the crew the whole time, and and just he's always like one step ahead. Even once he takes off his mask at the end, you think. Okay, that's the Joker. No more surprises from him. But like throughout the movie, you think it's going one way, but he he's thought out another step before you, which makes it a really great crime movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you never yeah. really, I mean, granted, I've seen the movie dozens of times now. The twists and turns, they're nonstop. They're brilliant, too. I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV. And I feel like, especially with maybe Marvel and who knows what else, but it's like, it's it's pretty easy to tell sometimes where a movie is about to end up or, you know, there's Mm going to be twists and turns. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I have a tendency to go, yeah, but it's obviously that guy's going to turn around and stab that guy, you know, but with this movie, it's like, there was no telling. No, you had no idea what he was going to do. That's the note it starts on. He literally is a psych out and he's, I think it's a great metaphor for him because he is one step ahead. He's a man with a master plan. But he was also in like the thick of it. He easily could have been shot. He easily could have been killed by that one dude who caught on to his plan. It was like, I'm guessing the Joker told you to kill me. He was like, no, no, I kill the bus drive. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) We could do a whole just reenactment of line by line (laughs) of the whole movie. So it's it's really telling that he's really willing to get his hands super dirty but he is always thinking and willing to change and adapt. He's great. He's an it's agent a, of chaos. He's an agent of chaos, and it's a brilliant introduction because it's everything we need to know about him. We get some creepy mannerisms from him, but we get the chaos, the the laughter, and the brilliance. He walks away with so much money, just mm-hmm. an absurd amount of money, and he's the last man standing. He, he walks away with it all by himself, which is crazy mm-hmm. if you think about it. I mean – this it's obviously a superhero movie but could very easily be categorized as a suspense thriller type Mm -hmm. of like you said crime movie it's like with all those twists and turns it's just it's a wild ride so the joker though is always doing that sort of thing where he puts two people as hostages he tells you where both of them are and that they're going to explode in 30 minutes but it turns out he lied to you and they're at this they're at the opposite locations it's just mental games with him he's just there to mess with you and fuck with you and make you regret whatever decision you made but Heath Ledger doing that role was like Mm -hmm. 
unreal. I mean, if you tried to put other, I don't know, other Joker actors or whatever in that role or anybody else, it's just like, it could come off cartoony or it could come off a different way, but he is like just so crazy and just so Mm -hmm. devious. And it's so, so believable. There's not a a scent of it. There's not a, a drop of it that when you're watching it, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. He's like, you know, some comic book. Ooh, look at this crazy villain. You're like, oh shit, this guy is nuts. What's, what is he going to do next? Yeah, it's it's still, you know, chilling and and really gripping having seen it 10 times over. Like every time I watch this movie, I'm continually impressed by this performance. When he licks his lips on the sides, I can see, I'm like, his lips are chapped as hell. It makes me go and put on chapstick every single time. That's dedication. <laughs> He's really so, drying out those lips constantly, just licking them. Yeah, yeah, he really is. And so that's like our intro to the Joker. But then like the real, real introduction is when he goes and, and basically and holds up the mob, you know, mm-hmm. at gunpoint. And the whole magic trick where he stabs the pencil in the table and then stabs it in someone's eye. The writing is just so beautiful because then, you know, he goes on to tell different stories about how he gets his scars. Yeah. And we never it's not about the origin story. It's just about the fact that he either doesn't know or is willingly just telling different stories. And they're all little nods to different origin stories that he has. Mm -hmm. Honestly, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is that right there. You know, I feel like uh a lot of times you're watching these movies and you want to know the origin story or like what happened to make him this way. And he takes that expectation and just totally mm, flips mm-hmm. it on end. Which is what he always is doing. He takes expectations and he flips right. it on your head. He knows the audience wants his right. origin story and he's not going to give it to us. He's doing it to Batman. He's doing it to Rachel. And he's doing it to you too, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing it to everybody. <laughs> I was reading some interviews in background and. Christopher Nolan, what he says about it is that the Joker in Gotham City, in the world of Batman, is an absolute. And that's what I love. Like, Mm -hmm. he just is chaos. We're never going to get a full answer. He's just malignant, evil chaos there to torment you mentally. He's got no background, no fingerprints. He's got no known aliases. Nothing in his pockets but knives and lint. He just is, he's there and he's there to mess everyone's day up. Yeah. Like you said, if you, if you took the dark night and you added an origin story to Heath Ledger's Joker, and if Mm -hmm. it was anything like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, you're going to feel empathetic towards him. Right. And it would Mm -hmm. just kind of ruin the whole, your whole view on it. Then it becomes like this ideological thing where it's like a, Black Panther versus Killmonger thing of like, oh, the bad guy kind of has some good points. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it should just be good versus evil. And that is really the dichotomy of Batman and the Joker. An immovable force meets an unstoppable object. Mm -hmm. Maybe I reverse that, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Nice quote drop. (laughs) Batman versus Joker is good versus evil, typically. But the Dark Knight is more than just good versus evil, right? It's yeah, sure, good versus evil, Batman versus Joker, but the city is turning on Batman. 
and mm-hmm. Harvey Dent is supposed to be the white knight, the beacon, and the Joker turns him. So it's like there's a lot of overlapping good versus evil. Hey, audience, maybe you should think about what is actually good and what is actually evil, and how does this fit into the puzzle? There is a gray, a little bit of gray there. Yeah, I think that's one of the unsung triumphs of this movie is the descent of Harvey Dent, the origin of Two Face. Yeah. Maybe this is a good transition, even though it feels wrong to not keep talking about uh, Mr. Heath Ledger, but I'm sure he'll come up more. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. move on to a third player in the movie, which is Harvey Dent. I believe in Harvey Dent. The Two-Face himself. What do you like about Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent? He very much looks the part of the golden boy, right? He's got these like blonde, poofy hair. At the beginning of the movie, Uh the first kind of time you see him, he's in court Mm -hmm. and cracks a silly little attorney joke and like is the hero. And and then so then when you see his fall, it's just devastating. Mm. What's great about it is we have Batman who is firmly on the good side. We have the Joker, who is firmly on the side of evil. We get Harvey, who will flip a coin to decide, live or die. It's really, you know, we're not choosing any sides here. We're still sticking 50-50 on the good and evil side. So he's Mm -hmm. a great counterpoint to the whole dynamic. So I love the dynamic that he brings. And when he goes on his crime spree, he, you know, it's towards the end of the movie, so it's not too long because it's not as showy or as flashy as the Joker is. But that's what keeps it grounded and keeps it real, is he just goes on a vengeance-seeking tour and plays a 50-50 game with all his, in true Squid Games-esque, plays a 50-50 game with all of his people. Yeah. Here's the symbol of what Mm -hmm. Harvey has now gone through. He's like, well, all bets are off. I got nothing, so like, do you want to get shot? Yes or no? We'll let this little coin decide. (laughs) Yeah. I also, I'm trying to think of like where society was at, where movies were at kind of graphics wise at this point. But Harvey's Mm -hmm. half burnt off face looks so gross. It's just, it's really gross. The way his eyes bulging out and his lip is, ooh, ooh. The moment that sells it for me, he takes a drink at the bar. It dribbles outside of his mouth. Oh. oh, it's so gross. And you're like, first of all, it burns, right? Skin that is not healed. He- He's is refusing not healed. skin grafts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, how will he ever disgusting. eat anything? Him and the Joker, though, have one of my favorite scenes, I think, of all time when he's in the hospital bed and the Joker mm-hmm. in, uh, is given his monologue. And part of the monologue, though, which I think is really great, is Aaron Eckhart has one, maybe two lines in that moment, but just his facial reactions and how he responds and how you can see the Joker really turn him from the side of, I'm going to lock up all these cities criminals to fuck it. I'm going to go on a vengeance tour. Okay, but can we talk about one of the best parts of that scene, though, is when the Joker walks in. He just got on a dress, and he's kind of trying to do a nurse thing, and Harvey looks at him, and then all of a sudden he turns around. The Joker turns around, and Harvey Dent goes, Ooh, and, like, yeah. jumps. Like, yeah. like on, he doesn't, realize, like, he doesn't recognize think? him until he takes the <laughs> until mask he off. Until he takes the mask off. It's That's great. really yeah. funny. And we get a classic Joker going, yeah. hi. But also in that same scene, I just did want to mention the iconic moment. He finally, he blows up the hospital. He's trying to walk mm. away. The other bomb isn't going off. He's pushing it. It finally goes off. And he's just hobbling away in that dress. Like, 
it could be so comical or like I said, cartoony, but it's just like, mm-hmm. it's just not, it's still yeah. like ominous. It's so mysterious. It's funny in a way it's entertaining. Yeah. It's amusing, yeah. but it's not like, ha 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 laugh out fun. Like, right. it, not it's, like a very, it's, it's not Captain America saying language. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, language. Although I will say the cheesiest element to me, not even so much in dark Knight that happens in Batman Begins where he is like scared of bats. <laughs> like some bats come flying at him. Story. And it like it like he's he's so scared of bats that he's in the theater and there's a man dressed up as a bat. He's like, I gotta go, mom. I'm so scared of these bats. And then like he keeps seeing bats and the bats come and help him at one point. How many hours do you think uh, Alfred spends cleaning bat shit <laughs> out of the bat cave? Too many. Yeah. Damn, it's um, like Alfred had all these years off just chilling, doing whatever he wanted while Bruce was off becoming a ninja. <laughs> so uh-huh. this is a good transition. Let's talk about my favorite Alfred, Michael Caine, who yeah. to me is just the perfect Alfred. Do you guys like Michael Caine as Alfred? Love I him. love Michael Caine as Alfred. Alfred does a great job as i don't know the not bitter the uh the old codger he's seen a lot of the world he's wise he's well traveled he's had some adventures of his own sure he's been to burma he's been to burma baby (laughs) i've been to burma and so you know i think that he is Probably one of the more funnier parts of the movie, but it does it never feels forced. It just kind of feels like old British guy jabbing at you humor, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And yeah, so Yeah, he he and Christian Bale like play off of each other really yes. well in a very like cool, like have a great kind of way where it's like, We know we're being really funny right now and we're not even gonna bother telling you. What's your favorite Alfred quip or line from the franchise as a whole? Oh, okay, let me think. I've got one uh, while you're thinking. Mine's okay. okay, go for it. He go in Dark Knight. I guess I, I guess I couldn't say over the entire franchise. It's been a really long time since I saw Dark Knight Rises. But okay. um it, the classic he goes, the Lamborghini then. Much more subtle. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Much more subtle. That's, by the way, the worst impression of anything I've ever no, done. No, but it was, it, it was it was perfect. Evan, what about you? Um it's not really a quip, but it's when he's like, I've shown you up. I've shut your bones, but I won't bury you. And it's like, ooh, he's not going to bury him. That's where he draws the line. He's just looking Damn, out for him. Alfred. He wants to keep him alive. Alfred loves you, Batman. Why can't yeah. you see? And that's the breakup, too. Oh, he leaves after that. I don't have a quip. I'm going to take it the total opposite way and say my favorite Alfred moment is at the very end of the whole franchise when he sees Bruce with selena off off in the other country because one i really didn't expect it and two just the look on his face because moments earlier we get the sad scene of him raining and he's like i'm sorry i failed you i i I said i'd take care of you and it's so heartbreaking and it's so you see him buried next to his parents oh my god i'm getting teary-eyed just talking about it and just it's so like, I'm not happy that Bruce survived for Bruce, but mm-hmm. for Alfred. He did it mm-hmm. for Alfred, and he saw yeah. him, and he said, hey, 
thank you for everything, old chap. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. I haven't even seen it in years, uh-huh. but it's it's probably one of my favorite movie moments. And I know it's not from The Dark Knight, but okay. it, it it is so good. And it's set up over these three movies. Oh, it's brilliant. Michael Caine is just perfectly like, he's just like just subtle enough. He's mm-hmm. not over the top. He's not trying to crack these jokes. He's not trying to say to Bruce Wayne, like, I love you. Why don't you, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Professing over the top. He's just like, so enough. Is it, is it, um, I apologize. Is it Jeremy Iron, Irons yeah. who plays him in, in the Justice League? And Michael Caine just blows this man out of the water. No offense to Jeremy Irons. You do fine. You are playing a different Alfred, but you're just not my Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Caine is the perfect old codger. Jeremy mm-hmm. Irons, he's trying to put it on a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, he dyes his me- hair as Alfred, yeah. which uh, that's not my Alfred. Yeah. Not my uh, hashtag, not my Alfred. Hashtag. Sorry. <laughs> this brings me to the other old codger of the franchise, Morgan Freeman. Oh, oh man. He really has little screen time but huge mm-hmm. impact on all these movies he, yeah. he's so good he's just good in everything he's in i mean talk about the star po- the star power yeah. of morgan freeman just putting yeah. him in your movie is enough to go oh shit morgan freeman's in this like yeah we uh-huh. gotta go my favorite moment of lucius fox's is in the dark knight when the the accountant figures out oh, bruce wayne's yeah. secret identity mm-hmm. and he's like so your plan is to blackmail, whatever, whatever. The guy who goes out and beats up criminals, good luck. The richest man in the universe and who also beats people up in his spare time. Yeah, one of the best lines. Not phased at all by the blackmail. Also, Lucius Fox in this movie, I kind of had a little bit of an aha moment, you know, at the end where there's all those screens and Bruce says, like, look, you know, we got sonar all over the city. It's a pretty maybe early commentary, I think, on phone tracking and Facebook is watching um, you uh, and Google knows yeah. your every move kind of before that became before that became more of like a mainstream topic. As long as this machine is here, I will not be at Wayne or yep. uh, Wayne, whatever uh, the company's Wayne called. Industries, like Wayne without Industries, even, yes. without even a thought. He steps mm. in. He's like, this is fucked up. I will mm. not be a part of this. Like, but if you need help he, with this one thing, like, yes, sure. But he then understands I'm the out. mission. He goes, yeah. I will help in this one instance because I know you need it and it's important, but I am done. And Bruce Wayne already thought about that, baby. He goes, type your name in at the end. <laughs> Damn. Um, if I had a criticism of this movie. Sorry, no. <laughs> Just kidding, go ahead. Not allowed. Uh, It's the kind of over-the-top moral lesson in the third act. Get out of here. Of the two boats having to... And when they're all, like, philosophizing out loud, like, those men had their chances. They're all criminals. They committed murder. They didn't have to steal. They didn't do it, though. But they still didn't do it. I know. I'm saying that was a little too much for, for me. The people of this city just showed you that they're ready to choose good <laughs> over evil. Oh my god, that's actually like surprisingly such a good impression. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I guess you I 
I agree a little bit that like it's definitely a little maybe like virtue signaling. Like it's no. a, it's a it's a little. Bizarre. I reject okay. it all. It's, it's corny. <gasps> I think how is the dare word you? I was reaching for. That's my, my no. My heart races during the scene, and I've I know how it ends, and it's oh, it's such a good. It's a literal prisoner's dilemma with prisoners, guys. Come on. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's saying that it's not full of suspense, high quality, mm-hmm. well great, acted. Yeah, gr- great storyline. Then, then what's but, not to love? Uh, it might be a little heavy handed. I don't agree, Thank but you. that's fine. Thank you. You're entitled. You are entitled to your opinions, I guess. <laughs> I I will agree with Evan again. Nobody's saying that it's not 100. percent an amazing part of the best movie of all time. Maybe a little heavy on the salt, you know? So <laughs> one of my favorite small moments is when the Joker makes a, a public announcement that the city's like on lockdown and they're like looking for the Joker in places. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite small parts is you see a cop looking under like a bridge. And I was like, you really think the Joker's just like laying under there right now? <laughs> like, and he's like, ah, shoot, you found me. And he runs out. Just a, just a bridge troll. Yeah, like, mm, yeah. I, I'll um, hang out under this underpass. Nobody will ever check here. So, even thinking about that, he's got like knife shoes, so he might be able to get out of that. He just starts kicking the shit out of whoever found him. Yeah. But so, um, God, one of my favorite Joker moments is when uh, Harvey has turned himself in as the Batman, gets arrested and is taken, and they're trying to get him. He's got mm-hmm. the truck that it says uh, not laughter but slaughter. Which is a classic, like, oh, yeah, just add an S. Um, <laughs> and so um, then Batman does show up, and it's the showdown where Batman is zooming on, which also Batman's uh, Batmobile bike in this movie. Oh. Unreal. I want one so badly. So cool. Only time I've ever wanted a motorcycle. So he's zooming down the street, and the Joker's like, hit me hit me i want you to hit me hit me hit me that's like my favorite joker moment because i just feel it i'm like oh my god he wants him to hit him he just wants him to kill him and break his moral code and the people of this city will lose their goddamn minds that batman's Mm -hmm. a murderer he's the ultimate villain because he's always gonna do what's ever in the worst interest of everyone Mm -hmm. and sometimes including himself he is very much like, I will die. I do not care if the greater plan calls for it. And yeah. that's what makes him truly dangerous is his lack of like, usually you can, Batman can scare a criminal into acting right with their fear of death mm-hmm. where he can't do that with the Joker. No. The Joker has nothing to lose because he, he will die. He doesn't care. Yeah, It's great. It makes him awesome. Um, And it's really explored in this film, the dynamic of Batman not wanting to kill anyone and the Joker just being like, do it. Okay, there's a lot of highlights in this movie. There's a lot of people we're still even missing that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Scarecrow makes a cameo. We didn't talk about Maggie Gyllenhaal at all, Maggie who plays Gyllenhaal. a really good Rachel, but unfortunately um, is kind of side- sidelined a bit this movie. And I think it's because she was recasted from Katie mm-hmm. Holmes. Mm-hmm. So no fault to Maggie Gyllenhaal. She, she did good. And, you know, I, I like her as Rachel, but they killed her off. Maggie Gyllenhaal or Katie Holmes? Oh, I'd probably say Maggie Gyllenhaal, but it's because I like The Dark Knight more. Yeah, I think they do a better, The Dark Knight does a better job of giving Rachel a personality, like a deeper personality. Her letter and the voiceover at the end to Mm. Bruce is is heart-wrenching in in like a a 
poetic kind of way mm-hmm. where oh, it's so good because the letter explains it all. And Bruce at the end is like, Harvey can never know that she was going to choose me. Harvey can never know she was going to choose me. And Alfred, this is why this movie's so good because Alfred is like, okay, I'm going to make the hard choice here and I'm going to set, I'm going to spare him. And he burns mm-hmm. it. And little did he know that was a big mess up because come the third movie, that is going to haunt Bruce Wayne. Alfred. Mm-hmm. Alfred. It's Damn. great because Alfred's not perfect. I think that's Alfred, you know, is always the guy with all the am- answers. Alfred is always the one with all the advice. But at the end of the day, Alfred's human too. He made a mistake. He thought he was doing what's best for Master Wayne, but turns out yeah. he wasn't. He's just a man. He's just a man. Uh, yeah. Wow. We cannot forget Gary Oldman. We did. Oh, my God. See? And, and he did so well. And there's so many highlights to this movie that we forgot him. And he is an amazing Jim Gordon. He's, mm-hmm. he's my favorite Jim Gordon. J.K. Simmons doesn't have enough material, but I do love J.K. Simmons. Did either of you watch the Fox series Gotham? I've seen a little. Episodes yes, I've watched a, a, a little of it. I want to say like a season. With Ryan from the OC? Yeah, yes. like that actor. He's yeah, actually he does well. pretty good, Jim Gordon. But he's yeah. a different Jim. He's young. Yeah. He's it's early young in his Jim. career. He's also voiced Batman in uh, animated straight cool. to DVD yeah. video. Um, I think that's uh, most of it, though. I think we should go around and do some uh, some closing thoughts here. Evan, why don't why don't you start us off here? What What are your closing thoughts on this great great film? Ultimately, there is a reason that this is still the epitome of the comic book movie 14 years later. It is a crime movie and it is supremely acted by, we just named the all-star cast of all time, Mm -hmm. Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman, Michael Mm -hmm. Caine, Christian Bale. So uh, much star power. So much star power. And most of them are just playing like side characters, which is fucking wild. I don't think anything really has come close to this since. And I don't know that anything will for a long time. A lot of us millennials who loved this movie, who Mm -hmm. this movie is very important to probably grew up on Batman, the animated series. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. this, they're not related necessarily, but Mm -hmm. this one really takes us on the journey of Batman finding that moral code, finding where the line is. Whereas Mm -hmm. Batman, the animated series Batman just kind of is. He is, you know, he is established and he's, you know, he's a, he's good, a fully good versus grown, evil. developed character. Yeah. yeah. And, and this one is really about exploring him finding those boundaries. So for me, I, I would say what we're doing here is we are trying to take a look at the character of Batman as a whole. And this movie is so integral that we have to talk about it as a touchstone because It's not the beginning of Batman. It's not the beginning of even like a new era of Batman. It's just like a a, a peak in Batman history. It's so Mm -hmm. strong. And so when we're taking a look at what Batman is, this movie is important to that. You know, we could talk all day about the actors and how great they are and the characters and how well they work and all of the elements of this story. But I think the things about the Dark Knight that speak for themselves is just the the impacts that it had on us as like a society at the time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm a good little millennial and I watch The Office over and over <laughs> again. And I watch Parks and Rec over and over again. And they both parody and mention The Dark Knight in those shows. It's like how many shows talked about this movie? It was nonstop. Mm-hmm how much people love this movie like not even in a way where they're going to make fun of it because like this movie was so bad or we're going to joke on this person but like mm-hmm. collectively we all decided this shit is so good and yeah. we are just going to keep going with this because everybody loves it and it was just unstoppable i think the one person we left out that deserves a buttload of credit is christopher nolan oh, he's the, the man. one who Very true. brought this all together Mm -hmm. casting writing directing and it's just brilliant and you know i don't know we said his name once in this whole interview here but he deserves all the credit well thank you so much for joining us in this interview it was very enlightening we learned a lot uh for those who don't know cams is our number one fan biggest supporter so it, it means a lot that you're here thank you for joining us no problem it's a dream come true and that's sort of what this all felt like a dream I didn't know where we were going with this. We had been hyping up Matt Reeves, the Batman, for so long. Once we finally sat down, took a hard look at the evidence, I started wondering, can anything actually top Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight? I'm starting to get a little concerned. Evan, hi. Um, I'm taking a look at all of our notes. I was going over the interviews, and I'm not as confident in this movie as I once was. What do you mean? You? So, this was your idea. I know. I, stop, I know. I know. Revisiting The Dark Knight, I have it has stirred emotions in me that were once dormant. I am starting to get nervous that I am going to only compare this movie to the the new one that's coming and can anything top christian bale and heath ledger like it's such a legendary performance we just sat here we went through a whole interview of why this is maybe the greatest movie ever made i think we got we we got to look at what we've been trying to do here and what our mission was in the first place which was to dissect the batman myth so i think we to be objective you know, we have to break it down to the core elements. And talking to Cho, talking to Caitlin, I I think we've unearthed some of them. Look, all I'm saying is they've tried this. Why are we getting our hopes up? They threw Ben Affleck at us shortly after Christian Bale. And it while he was all right, it didn't work. It didn't work. And I, I'm worried we are setting ourselves up. We were excited for the bat flick. We were excited for Batman versus Superman. And we have been let down before. Is that, are, are we just being set up to be knocked down again? Is this a classic bait and switch that they have already done to us before? All of my notes. I, Evan, I haven't slept in three days. You hated Batman versus Superman. You take that back. I may be the only one that loved that movie. Sorry, I don't know what came over me. Alex, we have been working on this case for over a month now. We started this at the beginning of the month. We're almost to release date. Let me break down my worries. Batman as a character, amazing. We've established that. The roots are there. We have seen 
Batman through the ages really progress and we've seen fresh takes on him that are great. I'm worried after all the research that we've done, did we hit the peak of Batman in 2008? Him versus the Joker, Christopher Nolan's take on it. Ever since then, have we gotten a better version of Batman? Can we get a better version of Batman? I don't know. It's true. All of my notes, everything that I am reading is saying it can't be topped. We've gotten to the core truths of Batman, and he always faces insurmountable odds. No matter the challenge, whether he's fighting the common crook or an intergalactic alien dictator, Batman has never backed down from the challenge. And so I think if we boil it down to the core elements of Batman myth, the personal tragedy, the uncompromising pursuit of justice, the indomitable will, those are the elements that carry over from Batman the Animated Series through the Dark Knight trilogy. And if I'm being honest, those are the things that I'm picking up. And so, you know, I, I reserve the, the right to be hopeful in this scenario. Mm. Man, I wish I shared your sense of optimism, but I'll be honest, after all the labor and hours and late nights that we've put into this, I'm just not seeing the picture right now. I, I, I don't know how I can possibly say that this is going to be the best Batman movie of all time right now. I'm not there. Alex was losing steam quick, and I'd be lying if I said his doubt didn't plant a seed of its own. But then I thought back on the investigation, the past month of interviews, of research, of conversations. I thought about our friends who, despite all odds, with their backs against the rope, still held on to that hope. People like Andrew, people like Caitlin, people like the Batman. Here's Andrew again. I actually think he does have a superpower. Mm. Um, it's not that he's rich. I thought that's where you. I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> Some people say that, but no. Um, uh, it's not that he's in peak physical condition, or that he has a genius level intellect, or that he's the world's greatest detective. In my mm-hmm. opinion, his superpower is his indomitable will and self discipline. I mean, I cannot think mm-hmm. of a single character in that universe that has a greater willpower than bruce wayne he's the guy that beat superman i mean like who else (laughs) can say that (laughs) all the people involved seem to be taking this the character very seriously and they're trying to do it justice which i as a fan can wholeheartedly appreciate and i honestly think it's going to translate really well just based on what little i've seen already and with that our investigation was coming to a close This long, winding road we've been traveling was finally running out. Which meant there was one more stop we had to make. Do you have the keys? Hmm? Okay. Are you driving or am I? You're recording, I'll drive. (laughs) Okay. Not trying to die over a podcast. <laughs> That's fine. We're 
headed to the theater to watch the Batman right now. We got some tickets for an advanced screening. Um, gonna go watch it with Haley. We're super excited. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you to see this? Are you to see this movie, Haley? Um, scale of one to ten, ten being the most excited I've been in my life. I would say it's a solid six point five. Six point five, I'll take. Um, a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for me to be done with this episode of the podcast? That would be a thirteen point six. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, if you had to guess, how many hours do you think we've worked on this podcast so far? This one episode. How many hours? Um, probably upwards of five hundred hours. That's an that's an exaggeration. <laughs> it, that's what it feels like. It's probably close to like forty, though. Wouldn't you say? Okay, okay. Yeah. It's been a lot of hours. Granted, I don't see you during your work hours, so I don't know if you're truly working on this or uh, or working, but I'm going to say you're probably working on this. Yeah, that's that's not true if any of my coworkers are listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm excited to see this movie. I'm also kind of excited to be done with this episode, but more so excited to see this movie. Uh yeah. It's, hopefully it's life-changing. Do you think it's going to be life-changing? Have you said what your your predictions are? I I have a feeling it's going to be really good just based on the director's past work, but I've seen I've tried to block out I I've muted certain words like Batman and Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves on Twitter just so I don't get spoiled or anything, but couple things a couple early reactions have have surfaced and everything seems to be pointing to this movie being really really good so i don't want to get my hopes up but but i am excited i'll say that all right this is where you want to park or i don't know where that place is i think it's like right in there yeah we can park here yeah Two tickets for the 6.30 Batman. Yeah, can we do the number one, the large popcorn and two drinks? Sure. Okay. Did you want skills? I didn't know it at the time, but we were about to strap in for the most Batman Batman movie of all Batman movies. You have a text message from Evan Leon. Would you like me to read it? Next time on Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, Matt reads The Batman, finally takes the stand. This episode is produced by Tears Over Stake and Two Dudes Watch Cartoons. Our theme music is composed by me, Evan Leon, with special ad music by Evan Laybourne. I want to thank our guests, Andrew Cho and Caitlin Godfrey, for coming on today. I want to thank all of our friends who have had to field texts from us about this for months now. Thank you to our producers over at Tears Over Stake, Gary Gordon and Dylan Dunn. 
Special shout out to our friends over at Star Wars, Michael and Tommy, for being great sports. Thank you to our sponsor for the episode, Primo's Pizza of Novi, for feeding us since the very beginning of our friendship. And a very special thank you to our better halves, Nikki and Haley, for sticking by our sides as we went down this rabbit hole. This investigation has been a huge undertaking, and we really appreciate all of our listeners. We do it for you guys. But there was a lot of evidence left on the cutting room floor. I'll play a couple of those clips for you now. I have an interview with super fan and friend of the podcast, Andrew Cho. And I'm going to play that interview for you. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. It's going to with the that. music. It's going to it's it's yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. such a true crime feel to it, but it's not. It's going to be good. I really <laughs> like it. Could you state your name for the record, please? My name is Caitlin Godfrey. Perfect. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Any other okay. name? No, we're we're it's because it's a, a stylistic thing. We're that's like a good that's just a bit. Oh, I that's was right. laughing. I'm yeah. just I'm dying. Before uh I hang up the call, um witnesses reported hearing several statements said by the Batman, but none managed to record them. So we're collecting vocal profiles. So I'm gonna need both of you to read the following statement, please. Oh just God. so can you know we type can, it in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, so you know, I just need to rule okay. out whether or not either of you are the Batman. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> I wish I could use it. Uh, ben Affleck's Batman doesn't he have like a voice alternator kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll go for it. I'll go for a Batman. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm not wearing hockey pants. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. We just so happened to be at the right place at the right time. It's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be a Batman fan. It really is. Yes, it Fuck is. you, Marvel fans. <laughs> Let us have had, our day. You had your chance, all right? Yeah. It's our turn. Let uh, us have this. That's great. <laughs> is this a classic bait and switch that they have already done to us before? You hated Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. That is too far. <laughs> I don't know what came over me, dude. In the moment, I knew it was a lie, too. I was like, is he going to go with this? <laughs> um, I have two tickets for the uh, 630 Batman. That's for tomorrow. That's for tomorrow. The third? Oh, my gosh. Batman's not out yet. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I can't read. I'm so sorry. All right, so this is the blooper of the of the series. So there was Tell a party on Halloween where I got Cruiser's Batman outfit, and I did the Batman voice all night long, and people were, like, annoyed. Like, I never broke character. And the oh. cops showed up, and I was, like, directing people out in the Batman voice. I was like, get out this way. Get out of there. The cops are coming. And oh people were God. like, you didn't drop it. I was like, seriously? I was kind of <laughs> drunk. Sorry. <laughs> when was this? Obviously I, I beyond my time. But yeah, I don't know. Cruiser gave me a Batman suit. I Why was drunk. Why does Cruiser have a Batman suit? <laughs> he doesn't anymore.